So I asked the Lord many years ago to teach me how to be a son to him, how to relate to him, how to talk to him, how to talk, how to walk. I represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Out of my mouth, I want to speak truth of who God is. And the messages I'm giving to you are messages that have come from many years of studying and praying and fasting and believing God for an understanding and a revelation of what it means to be a son of God. Ladies, what it means to be a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We began this series called Proclaiming Your Future. And we're going to continue talking about the cost or the value of our words. So here is a little wisdom for you. If you want to be happy for an hour, eat a good steak. If you want to be happy for a day, go play golf. You want to be happy for a week, go on a cruise. But if you want to be happy for a lifetime, put your faith in Jesus Christ and watch your words. It's so good to see you. I'm still basking in the new song that our fine arts department wrote, To Know You. What a powerful message. What a what an anointed message in that song. The ladies wrote the words and wrote the words and they were touched by God to write those. Those are God words. That's a passion of a son or a daughter that wants to love and to know and to be able not only to know, but be able to proclaim their future by proclaiming who God is. I'm glad you're here. You're following God in worship. You're following God in the word. You're endeavoring to be exactly that, a son of God and not religious, a daughter of God and not religious. God is blessing you. God is leading you. He's guiding you. What we're learning in this series is that our words are very powerful and our words can either catapult us into our future that God has planned or put roadblocks in that and catapult us into the very words that we speak and causing our future to be what we are saying. Today, we want to give biblical instruction to correct our mouth if needed. Any of you as a child get your mouth washed out with soap? Today, um, the parents would be in prison, but that's okay. I think some of our young people today need to get their mouth washed out with soap. But they've been taught that. They've been taught that. Today, uh, the title of my sermon is 10 Deadly Sins of the Tongue. <laughs> I know that title doesn't sound very good. I know it's negative. But I want to help you succeed in life. My passion as a pastor, pastorally teaching you, is that I want you to have the greatest future that you could ever dream of. And in many instances, 
The Bible tells us it is our words that matter. It's what comes out of our mouth that matters. Proverbs says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And Satan is trying to get us to speak death over our marriages, death over our families, death over our finances, our our health. He is doing everything to get us to use our mouth to produce death. David said this, I'm going to restrain my lips so that I don't sin with my tongue. See, it is possible to sin with our mouth. So what I want to say to you is the Holy Spirit wants us to realize how powerful our words are when we speak them. Because as we've said each week in this series, the quality of life that you live depend on what you say. So if that's truth, which it is, then why wouldn't we want to dive in and even receive correction in our lives. See, one of the greatest things that you can learn in life is that correction is very important in your life. That when someone corrects you, when something corrects you, when God corrects you, it is very important that you heed the correction. Sometimes people want to correct and they're wrongly correcting because they don't understand or they're deceived. But that doesn't release the fact that much of our life to get to the place where God wants it to be is that we have to have a, a, a personality, a, a gifting, a, an understanding that when correction comes, that we joyfully receive it. That when correction comes in our life, that we have an attitude, instead of being defensive or offended, that we look at the correction and go to the one who is the truth to find out the next action that we need to take, or even the words that we need to say to catapult us into this life that God wants us to have, and the life that God wants you to have, it's amazing. He gives you a future. He gives you a hope. He gives you health. He gives you all of these things that people spend billions of dollars in the United States of America. Presidents are voted in because they say, we'll take care of you physically. And we we get to a place in our life where if we are religious, then we follow with whatever the world wants to take us. But in that process, then what we do is we live our lives trying to appease all the correction that is, is being given to us. So again, the quality of life that you live depend on what you say. So, so let's begin in, in a scripture, Isaiah 59, verse 1 through 3. And we are familiar with the first two. is quoted a lot. Many pastors quote them. Many uh, leaders in churches will quote this, but they don't 
quote the third verse. And right now you've all just jumped right down to to the third verse. But let's read it. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. So what we find in just one scripture alone, that there's nothing wrong with God's hand, and there's nothing wrong with God's hearing. True? So the second verse says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So uh, beautifully, the song was written, again, by our fine arts department, to know you. I was down there, and I was biting my tongue. I was doing everything I could not to just bawl, because that's my passion. I just want to know God. I just want to know who he is. But notice what this is. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. I'm going to explain this to you emphatically so that you truly understand what this is saying. Because some of us feel that, that you know, if we sin, that, you know, God, God is nowhere around. And, and that's not what this is saying. Verse 3, here's the verse. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongue has muttered perversity. Again, because of society today, that could be an offensive statement. And it's not an offensive statement. It is a corrective statement. It is something that we need to understand that God desires for you to see him, to know him. But there are things that happened and happen out of our mouths that will hide who he really is so that we could walk in this truth and walk in this joy. So Isaiah is telling them, your sins have separated you from God, and let me tell you what they are. The sins are, Sins your hands have committed and sins that your mouth has committed. If someone would come up to you and say, you know, if you stop that and change your life and go the opposite direction of that, you will truly see the clear picture of who God is. Would you stop it? Yeah, you would. You would stop it because you desire to see God. That's why you're here. That's why you're talking with your family about coming to church with you. That's why you're so passionate about yesterday coming to worship and prayer and this place. There's so many people that were here. It was amazing yesterday. The heart that we had of prayer and worship. And we've just scratched the surface. And we're going to move into a greater realm. But what the Holy Spirit is doing at Valley Community Church is he's bringing sometimes very corrective things so that nothing is hidden from you. 
See, this message is not to show how bad we are. This message is to show how that the enemy through life, life's journey has deceived us that we literally live a certain way of life and that certain way of life has literally block the face of God that we truly, we are desiring day after day after day to hear God. We pray, God, talk to me. And the thing is, we don't, don't understand that our actions, our words have literally blocked the ability to see clearly what God wants us to see. And what does he want us to see? Himself. Anyone say amen. amen. So Isaiah said, you have, you have said things that have separated you from God. Because we're talking about words. Let me uh, explain separated to you. Our salvation is secure because it is by grace through faith. Sin, especially from the mouth, affects our intimacy with God, our closeness with God. Our words are powerful, and our words can literally stymie intimacy. Let me give you an example. When we get born again, the relationship is a marriage. We become the bride of Christ. It's the church, the bride of Christ. If you are married, you know this answer, and even if you are not married, you know this answer. If you continue to lie to your spouse, would it affect your intimacy with your spouse? Would it affect your closeness with your spouse? Of course it would. Of course it would. We, we have to get to a place in our life that is exactly the way it is with God. It's not that your spouse is going to leave you or divorce you. God won't leave you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God doesn't divorce you. But it affects our closeness with God. It affects intimacy with God. So Isaiah 59 says there is nothing wrong on God's part. We are wondering sometimes why we are not seeing our prayers answered. We are not getting answers because we are, here it is, lying and saying things that don't line up with the word of God. We proclaim things thinking that it's the Word of God, or we pro proclaim things hoping that it's the Word of God. But what we must understand, what God wants us to do in that intimacy is to proclaim exactly who He is. Because when you do that, all of heaven moves on your behalf. So the first way our tongue sins is lying. In Proverbs 6, it says this, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination. Look at that word abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Three out of the seven things that have to do with the mouth. So literally, to God, there are seven things that he hates. And 
almost half are from the mouth. So it's important about our mouth. It's important of what we say. So Proverbs 12, says this, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. There are several uh, Hebrew and Greek words that are translated sin in our language. Harmateo means missing the mark. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and we've all missed the mark. Amen? So when we're speaking here, when I'm speaking, I'm speaking to myself because none of us are perfect. But there are words that are stronger than missing the mark. The word abomination. This means they are detestable to God. The root word of this is, it's an idol. It's an idol. They're like leaving God and going and serving and worshiping an idol. When someone is saying an untruth, they're literally worshiping an idol. It's something they are worshiping. They are desiring to be truth. It's something they want to believe. He says, these are the things that are like idol worship to God. In the seven, lying is one of them. Why? Lying is the opposite to who God is. God is not a liar. Satan is a father of lies. God is a truth teller. God is truth. See, because it's the opposite of the character of God, because God is truth. God not only has truth, he is the truth. So what comes out of God is the truth. God cannot say anything but truth because he's truth. So in that understanding, when we are being a son or a daughter of God, we need to be truth tellers. We need to be of truth. We need to say the truth. Satan is the father of lies, and when we lie, we leave the throne of God and go and worship the throne of Satan. That's how detestable it is. When Satan did what he did, he was detestable to God. Because he quoted five things that he desired, that he wanted of worship. And because of that, opposite of God's truth, it was detestable God and he kicked him out of heaven. So that's why it's an abomination to the Lord. So let me explain a word used a lot in church circles. Ministers use it all the time and it's a good word to use. The word stronghold is simply put a habit, okay? But it's a habit demonically influenced. And we have to recognize lying many times becomes a, a course of behavior someone has done so much as a sin, but it opens you up to demonic influence. Lying opens you up to demonic influence. It causes you to literally be open to deception of the enemy, to whereby that when truth is given, it is not accepted. When the word of God is given, when worship, like, like to know you, that song, 
And it talks about a person who just literally desires to know God. That should be our, our number one priority is to know God. Because when you know God, you will speak truth. When you know God, you won't have that habit and you won't be open to demonic influence. You say, but I'm a Christian. You know, the devil has no hold on me. Amen, if you're walking in truth. See, that's why we say, I'm never going to do that again. And we do it again. Because there is a demonic influence, a stronghold in that area of our lives. Many start lying before they are saved. After they get saved, we call it stretching the truth. And, and God is literally saying to us that we need to get to a place that our words are yea and amen, that our words are, are spoken and, and they are truth. Now remember, in that mentality, we also learned in this series that words are not free. And you don't have to say it. You're led of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to say things. Well, if I'm going to tell the truth, then I'm just going to say, you know, someone says, how do you like this dress? It is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I promise you, I know that to you, that's truth. You don't have to say it. We're talking about godliness. We're talking about the Word of God. We're talking about biblical things. So the only way to break the sin of lying and the other nine sins of the tongue is this. Here it is. It's in your notes. You become accountable and correctable, allowing other people to correct you. I've had people in my office. I've had people at the club. I've had people in the store. I've had people in North Carolina, and in Indiana, and in Michigan, wherever I go, in Africa, wherever I go, I've had people ask me what the Word of God says about something, and I say it, and they walk away angry because they're not correctable. To me, if the Word says something, and someone tells me what the Word says, I immediately want to do a 180. And I want to I be corrected and go. You need to give your spouse the ability to tell you the truth without being offended. You need to have an ability to give your friends. Now, let me just tell you, I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm talking about true friends. And I want to tell you, in your lifetime, you probably can only have about three or four true friends. So we have to get to a place. I'm just giving you some practical spiritual wisdom here. But, you know, don't, don't go to extreme here. Don't just go to the office tomorrow and tell 20 people what you really think. Because you're going to tell the truth. <laughs> Give your pastor permission to correct you if you want to break a stronghold in your life. Allow me to speak truth to you from this pulpit. 
allow anybody that gets up here, because I make sure, I measure it, I make sure that anybody that gets up here to speak is speaking the truth. Here's the second one. Sowing discord with your tongue. Proverbs 6 says, a worthless person, <laughs> whew, the word is pretty strong. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes, he shuffles his feet, he points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart, he devises evil continually, he sows discord. Therefore his calamity shall come suddenly, suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. So let me just, let me just tell you this. Every person that sows discord in the church will have calamity come on them. I've watched that through all the years. People that just are angry, frustrated. And you know, and sometimes even, even their anger might be anger that is righteous. But the Bible says be angry and sin not. And a lot of times people get angry and then they sow discord. And, and I, I, I cringe, I, I, I like, oh. it, you know, it hurts not because they're sowing discord in a place where I'm leading, but it's because they're sowing discord with their mouth. And literally I've seen people's lives destroyed because someone sows discord in the church. And they lie and they say things that are not true. They think they're true, but they're not true. And because of that, what happens, it, it causes calamity on them. I've seen people who for years serve the Lord, love God and all that, and they got angry. Sometimes it's because they're angry at home with their spouse and they're going through struggle, but they come to the church and they take it out on the church. Then they start sowing discord because their spouse gets mad at somebody, and then they sow discord, and before they leave the church, they're sowing discord. And I've seen those people get cancer and die. I've seen people uh, get their families, their children that fall apart and they're wondering why that happened. It's because they sow discord. We need to learn how to take correction in a very positive way. This is very important. Every person that sows discord in the church will have calamity come on them. Titus 3.9 uh, it's talking about foolish disputes in the church. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second ad admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Notice that it's talking about the mouth. It's be they're being self-condemned. When the correction happens, what happens is we're really trying to keep people from getting condemned, keep people from falling into a place in their life where they don't want to be. Satan is so good at this, he has convinced people they are doing good by bringing up things they shouldn't bring up. Because they're religiously perfect. They think they know all the truth. They think they know what needs to happen. And they're constantly chirping the things that they believe, but that's not what the Holy Spirit is saying to the body of Christ that they are in. And we have to get to a place in our life that when we are walking in, in these things, we are, 
we are literally treading on ground that is not good ground. They are convinced if they speak ill of differences in people, they sow discord, and if they continue, calamity will come in their homes. The Bible says that we are to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. God is a reconciler, and he sent Jesus for one reason, is to reconcile the whole world to himself. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is peace. Sowing discord, the reason why God hates discord is that God wants to bring people together, not apart. If my words are separating people, then God hates what I'm doing. God despises what I'm doing. And literally, it is idol worship. I have turned from him, and I've turned to 180, and I am speaking the words of the father of lies. Are you still with me? Amen. You know God loves you more than you'll ever know. I love you too. I pray that millions of people will listen to this podcast. Third, gossip. One who spreads intimate or private rumors or facts is a gossiper. If you're not part of the solution, you don't need to talk about it. Even as a pastor, people will tell me things and I don't say one word about it. I don't include anybody. I'm going to show you how I don't do that. In Proverbs 2019, it says, a gossip goes around <clears throat> telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. In other words, you sit down at a breakfast table and they start talking about everybody, get up. Proverbs 16, 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife, gossip separates the best of friends. See, the whole heart is that God says, hey, I have given you the power of life and death in your tongue. What your mouth says can either bring people together or separate people, the best of friends. This deception has destroyed so many homes. 2 Corinthians 12, 20 says, for I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find and you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Paul was going to chew them out. Paul says, I'm afraid that when I come, I'm just going to have to just chew every one of you out if I find these things. This is gossip in the church. You know, you know how some people, they do this, hey, I, I'm going to tell you something, but the reason I'm telling you is so that you will pray. So let me just tell you, that's a good thing of getting people to pray about things. But let me tell you how you can know if it's not gossiping. Has that situation in that person's life broken your heart? Has it broken your heart? And are you praying about it? 
And are you praying about it more than you talk about it? See, that's the reality is, is a lot of times, you know, I want you to pray because I found out that so-and-so, you're not praying about it. You're just religiously using that to be able to say what you want to say because it makes people, gossips, it makes them feel good by making other people look less than them. That they downgrade other people. And I want to tell you, here's the way God, if you see God face to face, God sees everyone. Pastor Dan said it. God sees everyone individually. He loves you. He is so stinking proud of you. He loves who you are. He loves what you're doing. Well, I'm not doing much. I'm messing up. He loves that you have a heart to do it. But if you open yourself up to correction, you're going to be able to line yourself up and your mouth to be able to speak your future and to be able to help others and be a blessing to others. Amen? Hope you still love your pastor. And don't get tired of me saying that because sometimes I need to say that. Again, Satan wants us to do it because it separates us from God and others. Here's the fourth sin from the mouth. Slander. Slander is a false or malicious statement about someone. I tell you what, as a pastor, I live in a glass house. Everybody has an opinion of who I am until they know who I am. And once they know who I am, then they speak truth of who I am. Slander is a false and malicious statement about someone. Some people say things, uh, what they heard, and they don't even know it's true. You know what I heard? Psalm 140, verse 11. Let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I'll tell you what, I asked the Lord, I said, God, you know, when I first got in ministry, I thought, man, this is going to be so great. I'm going to be working with all, a lot of Christians, and we're just going to do the kingdom work, and we're just going to really, and after about six months, I said, Lord, are you sure you called me to this? I think I'll go back and play baseball. Because the, the, the reality is these slanderers. But I've learned, I said, Lord, how do I handle this? How do I, man, I don't like this. I lived in a family, that, that German family, and around Italians, and kissing each other and hugging each other, and, you know, we're, we're with each other. And then I go in the church thinking it's going to even be better than that until the church understands the truth like we do at Valley. Then you have all this stuff going on and devastation. And then God told me, he says, I want you to understand that your mouth either blesses or condemns you. So how you handle that is that you get your heart broken, not because they slandered you. You get your heart broken because you know the, the place they've put themselves in that wicked men will be open to be able to go and overthrow or destroy everything that that person is dreaming for. And when we read that, we go, whoa, I don't want that on anybody. I don't. But if we allow the enemy to bring us into this, then we're setting ourselves up 
to be overthrown. Proverbs 10, 18. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. We need to confront with love. But let me just tell you, in almost 40 years of ministry, I maybe have confronted 10 times. Confront is a very strong word. Because sometimes we have differences of opinion. And there's a discussion, not an argument, but a discussion. But when it gets to the place where hatred begins to rise up out of the, in the words, then what I do is I back away. And I said, they're not going to receive what I say, so I'm going to back away and leave them to their own demise. The fifth thing, tail-bearing. Tail-bearing is revealing secrets or breaking confidence. Proverbs 11.13 says, a tail-bearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. So this is what I want you to hear on this. If there is any place that is safe to confess your sins and then be loved, it should, or it's the body of Christ, the church. People should be able to come to us and get help, guidance in the word, God's word, with a loving heart. Now let me give you something here so that people don't go to an extreme and people don't hold me to an, a non-understanding word that I just said. If someone comes to me about wanting to kill, child abuse, I am not keeping that secret. I am a mandatory reporter as a pastor. When I hear these things, I must state it. And did you know that people have used me to get at somebody else? Because they know that. They're slanderers. Still with me? So I'm talking about here, and the Bible's talking about an area of life that you need healing physically or emotionally. This is what I'm talking about is that, that when someone comes and they're hurting and they're struggling and there's, there's bondages in their life and they, they open up about those bondages, that I am, I am to be a person that seals my lips. And I do not talk about that, but I pray with them and I talk only with them unless they tell me to release it to leaders or they tell me, you know, you could tell your wife. And there are times that I don't even tell my wife many times because I was not given permission to do so. Just because she's my wife doesn't mean I'm to tell her everything that someone told me. And there are times I will say, would you mind if I let my wife know about this so we can pray together? And I've said that hundreds of times, and I haven't had one person ever say, no, don't tell your wife. But I got permission. If I didn't, I won't tell her. James 5.16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Can you imagine 
If the church gets to a place where people who are hurting in bondage, who are in sin, can come and communicate with you, and you can keep it a secret that they will trust you, can you imagine how many lives will be transformed when the church realizes this is the power of our mouth, and now I'm going to keep it secret? Here's two things. Some are not healed because they won't confess it. Sometimes we need to confess things to get our healing. But what we want to do is, is um, we want to be able to buy a house with the money we robbed the bank on, from. And, uh, but we don't want anybody to know that. We just want everybody to know how blessed we are because we have, you know, $500,000 that we stole last week from the bank. <laughs> Some won't confess because they did it in the past and it got spread all over the church. Church, keep a secret and minister. One other thing about that is we have to understand don't go to someone and say, hey, I can't tell you who it is, but this, I want you to pray about it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because what you're doing is you're creating that, doesn't matter the, the name or anything, what you're doing is you're creating difficulty in other people's lives because they don't truly know how to pray. So don't do that. Just keep it to yourself and you pray. Here's the sixth deadly sin of the mouth, cursing. Romans 3, 13 and 14. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Why is cursing called cursing? Because when you curse, you curse. Everyone following <laughs> my statement there? You're speaking a curse to someone or something. But watch what Scripture says. Psalm 109, 17, 18. As he loved cursing, so let it come to him. As he did not delight in blessing, so let it be far from him, the blessing. As he clothed himself with cursing, as with his garment, so let it enter his body like water and like oil into his bones. I was raised in a family that cursed. You know, all the cuss words, that was just normal. Normal stuff. I'm around people outside of church that curses. And there are times that I cringe and I, I, I will get up. I try to be that person that is around and I'm not prude or whatever. But there are times that cursings take place that I get up and I walk away. Sometimes I'll, because I have my phone in my wallet in a little locker, I'll walk over to the locker, open it up, look at my phone, and put it back in there because I didn't want to hang around the cursing. Every time you throw curses out, it's like a fountain, and more gets on you than one or, <laughs> or the thing that you're cursing. So I just want to tell you, if you're having struggle cursing, because you were raised in that, and it's a generational thing, I want you to understand this is how you quit cursing. Because when you're cursing, you're doing it more on yourself. 
And I, excuse me, okay? When someone, you know, driving down the road and maybe you make a mistake, turn your signal on, you look over, you don't see them, you start moving, and they drive by you. Or that's you. I want you to understand they're putting it more on themselves. People wonder why when they're praying and asking God to bless them and to honor them with their mouth, they are blocking the very blessings that God wants to have them. Begin to be a blessing. I could spend hours on this topic, but I'm not. The seventh sin of the mouth is blasphemy, taking God's name in vain. Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Here's two ways how you do this. First, you're using God's name as a curse word. GD. Second, the word vain, using God's name in a self-serving way. What do I mean by that? Blasphemy is using God's name in an unsacred way or self-serving way. Self-serving, when you say God told me and he didn't tell you. You hear it all the time in church circles, religious circles. God told me that we were to do, God didn't tell them. It's what they wanted. Amen. It's, it's what they wanted. And, and, and the reality is, is I do not do that. Watch what I do. I will say, you know, I'm sensing the Lord saying this. I want you to check this out and to see if this is from God or not. Instead of going up, you know, like holy, watch it. I'm three inches, four inches, five inches off the ground as I walk. Thus saith God. That's so religious. That's ugly. God hates it. It's an abomination to God. Man, you hear it all the time. People walk around, God, God said, God said. And I'm not talking about someone who is saying, you know, God said to me, but I'm talking about where they're trying to manipulate something. Business owners, I want you to understand, there are two things that you need to watch in your company. And these are the two things. People may not even use God, but they're blaspheming. Because they're saying they're speaking out wisdom, which they really aren't. They're not coming in agreement with you. They're not sitting down with you and talking through the process of what it is. What is the truth in your business? The truth is what you make. The truth is what you give. The truth is basically the, the atmosphere of your company. And when you begin to do this, you begin not, oh, don't say that word, I'm a Christian, I can't. No, you don't do that. You say, in this house business, we are going to honor one another and we're not going to use certain words. Oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I'll get sued. No, you won't. Because you don't bring punishment because they do that. But you're trying to create an atmosphere of blessing in your business. 
Because a lot of times people are in there and they're just cussing, cussing, cussing. They're bringing curse in the area of your business. Ezekiel 13.3, let's drop down to this. This is what the sovereign Lord says, what sorrow awaits the false prophets who are following their own imaginations and have seen nothing at all. Wow. Oh, that's in the Bible? Yeah, it is. But can you just grab a hold of the whole process, the whole teaching, the whole manifestation of why Scripture talks about this is because God wants you to be blessed. He wants your future to be full of all of God. He wants you to be able to walk in such an amazing lifestyle. But it's up to you by what you're saying. The eighth sin of the mouth is filthy speech. I have to go a little bit quicker here. Colossians 3.8 says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. You know, our generation today has become so filthy. You know, humor was invented by God, and humor has become so filthy. I love humor. I love to joke around. I love to laugh. But I can't go to the comedy club. It's not comedy to me. Sometimes I have to get up from a talk again at the club because of conversations. Sometimes even in Christian circles, I have to get up and walk away. Filthy speech produces lust in you. So my question to you, listening to filthy speech, why create something? Why create lust in our lives by being around that or even talking like that? Sometimes guys... Uh, start jokes, and then they stop halfway. Pastor, is this going to be okay? I said, probably not. Sometimes I've even gone like this. Not to be prude, but it's because not because of what they're doing. It's because I know the result of what it is. We have the power of life and death in our tongue. Next one, contentious speech. Hurtful, hateful. Now, Proverbs 21.9, before I read this, I have one for a man, too. All right? So, ladies, don't, don't get all with me. Better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than a house shared with a contentious woman. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for laughing. Don't be contentious. See, all of these are habits. Break the habits of arguing. Proverbs 26, 21. A charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Whew, I'm saved. Develop an agreeable spirit. What is an agreeable spirit? Oh, well, whatever people say, I'm with them. No. Agreeable spirit is not to argue. To sit, listen. There are people all the time. I'll be in, here it is, I'll be in funerals. Someone's up front and says, well, you know, God. And then they say what they say, and I'm cringing. I want to stand up and say, liar! 
because what they said is opposite of the truth. Where do you find that in Scripture? No, that's what I heard my grandmother say. Well, your grandmother was wrong. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I might get in my car and say, Lord, last funeral I'll ever be in. (laughs) Tired of all these lies about who you are. (laughs) You know what what God says? I can handle it. I can handle it. When you get up there, you give the truth. Amen. So none of us are the guardians of truth either. Be agreeable and be accountable. Have you ever heard, do not grieve the Holy Spirit? Let's read this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. My mouth grieves the Holy Spirit sometimes. It does. And I'm a son, and I don't want to do that. Next one, unbelief. Unbelief, which is a matter of the heart, which comes out of our mouth. Hebrews 3, beware, brethren, lest there be any, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know what this is saying? Okay, you heard this? Just change today. Just do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't think it'll take me six months because I've been cussing for 50 years. No, do it today. Get it done. The moment you, you cuss, stop right then and there and say, I am sorry. Matter of fact, I'm just trying to get some people to just have a bigger vocabulary. Every five words, they're saying a cuss word. And I say, you know what? You're smarter than that. Stop for a moment. Think of another word you can say. Right? See, unbelief manifests through negativity, which is a negative mouth. Why would we ever be negative if we know that God's on the throne? Negativity is the devil's language spoken by those who have his perspective. God's language is faith and truth. Faith doesn't mean you don't see the problem. Faith is that you see the answer. Who's the answer? It's God. (laughs) Sometimes this is someone who doesn't understand faith. Someone asks, hey, do you have a runny nose? No. I don't. Snot's going down their chin. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Now, I understand, you know, the faith thing. I'm a faith guy. But what you need to do is faith is is knowing it's there, but a healing is coming because it's not legal in your body. Now, there comes a time that there are things in your body that people don't even notice. 
And you don't run around and tell everybody, hey, uh, by the way, I want you to know that, that I got this in my body and this is, you know, what I'm saying to you is begin to change that by speaking corrective words to your body and tell your body, get in line with the Holy Spirit. But if someone sees, and I'm going to say it again, if someone sees snot going down your nose, down your lip and down your chin, you wipe it off your blouse and it's all messy and you got webbed fingers and someone says, do you have snot running down your nose? Don't say no, you're lying. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So don't, go to, don't get, become religious, don't go to extreme, but go to the Word. And there are things that I know that have gone on in my body. The enemies come in and attack. I haven't said a word to anybody. I just said, by Jesus' word. And I began to quote scripture, the 101 scriptures we have on healing. And I quote it, and I quote it, and I quote it, and quote it, until it leaves my body. Amen. No one's saying, hey, you know, because they see me walking normal. They see me talking normal, you know. And, you know, who's healthy? And there's stuff inside my body. I said, that is not legal. And I speak to it. Church family, we have power. Power with our mouths. Change your future by changing what you say. Let's all stand.